thankful that you are able to join us today as Pastor Mark Robinette preaches another sermon at Foundation Church here in Mount Sterling, Ohio. If this message is an encouragement to you, and we pray that it will be, please consider taking the time to go to www.foundationfellowshipchurch.org and let us know. Thank you, and may the Lord richly bless you through his word. Thy praise confess, yea, of thy word, yea, my tongue would sing, yea, I confess, yea, I confess, for thy commands are righteousness. Greetings this Lord's Day in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, our Savior, and our King. Amen? Aren't we glad that we know who the King of glory is? I love that psalm that says, Who is the King of glory? We know who He is. He is the Lord of hosts. He is mighty in battle. Amen? Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Right? Today, our call to worship comes from Psalm 100, and it's not a very long one. Sometimes I'll do these psalms that are 30, 40, even 50 verses long. But Psalm 100 packs a powerful punch. It says, Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness, and come before His presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, He is God. It is He that has made us, and not we ourselves. We are His people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name, for the Lord is good, and his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endureth to all generations. Can we say thanks be to God? Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for loving us, and we thank you for the joy that comes from loving you. Lord, the peace that comes from loving you and trusting you, Lord. Lord, we live in a world that doesn't understand peace, a world right now at war, not just the new war, but there have been wars all over the world, and their peace of mankind has been disrupted. And we pray today, and we thank you, Lord, knowing that you give the peace that passes all understanding, Lord. You keep our hearts and minds in the midst of tumult. For you reign, Lord. Lord, you are the King of glory. And we ask you today as we come into your presence, Lord, as your children, Lord, to hear our petitions. Lord, we ask that you would forgive us of our sins, that you would cleanse us from our unrighteousness, Lord, that you would lead us in the paths of righteousness for your namesake. We believe that you will answer our prayers, for we ask in your will. In Christ's name we pray. All God's people said, Amen. text. My sermon today is called Glad Islands Terrified 
enemies. It's from Psalm 97. I'm going to read the first six verses, but I will preach all of the psalm. Glad Island's terrified enemies. Psalm 97.1 says this, The Lord reigneth. In fact, I think we should all say that. You ready? The Lord reigneth. Let the earth rejoice. Let the multitude of isles be glad thereof. Clouds and darkness are round about him. Righteousness and judgment are the habitation of his throne. Fire goes before him and burns up his enemies round about. His lightnings enlightened the world. The earth saw and trembled. The hills melted like wax in the presence of the Lord. At the presence of the Lord, the whole earth. The Lord declared his, the heavens declare his righteousness and all the people see his glory. Isn't that what we want, guys? Don't we want the whole world to see his glory like we see it? Amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we pray, Lord, that you would enlighten our eyes, Lord, that you would illuminate your word, that it would encourage us today in the actions of faith, Lord, that it would fill us, Lord, with uh, actions to obey your word, to fulfill your commands, Lord, to submit ourselves to your will and not our own. Help us, Lord God, to rejoice today that you are reigning and be glad. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said, Amen. You may be seated. Jesus is Lord and King. Amen. He is King over all of the earth, King of kings and Lord of lords. He reigns. It's not just simply an honorary title. He rules and He reigns right now. We by faith see Him high and lifted up with His glory filling the entire earth. We see stubborn, sinful, willful men and women who now stand in defiance of our King, kneeling before Him broken, confessing that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Unwilling tongues that shut their mouths and instead of lifting up the name of the Lord, those tongues are confessing His Lordship today. Amen? That's what we believe. We see His kingdom come and His will being done on earth as it is in heaven. The Lord reigns. Let the earth rejoice, all of it, every kindred, every tribe, every people and nation, the multitude of islands around the planet be glad. Hallelujah! He reigns. Jesus Christ reigns over all the earth. This fact that we see in faith excites us to worship and to a life of obedience to God's commands. We can see what others cannot see. They look around and they fret because it seems that evil men rule. These evil men steal. They kill and destroy like their father, the devil. They invade the peaceful lives of others who wish merely to live simple lives with their families with enough food and clothing and shelter to live a simple life. Even as one earthly lord wages war on another, and people lay dying in the streets of cities throughout Myanmar, the Ukraine, and many others whose names have been forgotten and never even mentioned in the news. We are told on the news about these things, but we understand what they do not. They look and they see, and, and they see that the world is being taken over by these people. There are many Christians today 
who are believing that this is the beginning of sorrows. They, they, they're worried about what men will do. And I will tell you right now that Jesus is King of kings and Lord of lords. And uh, Putin or any other leader of the world who thinks they can thumb their nose at God are going to find out that they cannot do that. God is not going to sit back as though he can do nothing and he is powerless. In fact, God is using the very actions that they are doing to accomplish his will. They think they're doing one thing, but God is doing another with it. Just like Joseph's brothers who took him and threw in a pit and sold him off uh, in slavery. They thought what they were doing was for their own benefit. But what did he say? What did he look, say to them when, when he became Lord of Egypt? When he worked for Pharaoh and they came in and they're, oh no, my brothers, he said, what you meant for evil for me, God meant for good. Amen? We see through eyes of faith a different world, the one that God is making through millions of still small voices active on the hearts of men. He treads down his enemies through the church and none can stand before him defiant. He that sits in the heaven laughs at their continued attempts to shake off the bands of heaven. Even in their ungodly sinful acts, the Lord is using them to wage war on themselves. They are digging pits that they will fall in. They are building gallows from which their own destruction awaits. Jesus reigns. Let the earth be glad. Let all the lands, let the islands, let all the continents rejoice before the Lord. For Jesus reigns. Come on. This may not be able for the psalmist actually to see like we can see, but we can see it. For him, it was a prophetic image of something far away, but we are living now in the reality of it coming to pass before us. It invigorates or should invigorate our every action. The Lord sits on the throne of irresistible power and might, and even though injustice seems to be the rule of the day, our eyes deceive us. The Lord reigns, let all the earth be glad. The fire of God is even now burning up the chaff before him. The consuming fire that is our mighty God will purify the earth as it purifies the church. The exploding power of his might thundering down shudders every structure and every confidence in those moments of terror. The flash of light overpowers the dark clouds of his power and makes known even to them what they normally cannot see. And when they see it, they quake in fear. And you know what we do? We rejoice. These proud hills that think nothing can touch them yield before him like melting wax. Heaven and earth speak and show his righteousness and every man, woman and child, every country and people group will see him for who we know he is right now. Let the Lord reigns and let the earth be glad. Psalm 97 does not have an inspired heading to tell us who the author is. It doesn't tell us on what occasion it was written or what purpose it was made to be used in worship for some special occasion. It has a similar theme to the message of Psalms uh, 95 and 96 that we paired together. I really think it, these three should be brought together as a trio. This new song of Psalm 96 that we learned about last week 
talks about what God is doing in this new song, right? The heart... that God is going from the children of Israel and he's expanding what he's been doing in their lives into the whole world, into all the kindreds and peoples of the, of the world. His elect in Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob had enjoyed a special relationship up to a point, but now it would be the whole world that would receive the message of God. We can see a continuation of this message here in Psalm 97. As we come to verse 1, and I've read it, and I've quoted it, and I've been screaming it here for just a few minutes, and I uh, don't, 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 don't worry about old Mark. I'll tell you what, I could be depressed about a lot of things, but today I'm just not. Because the Lord reigneth. Amen? The Lord reigneth. Let the earth rejoice, it says in verse 1. The Lord reigneth. Let the earth rejoice. Let the multitude of the isles be glad thereof. In the first three words of the psalm, we see the whole focus of the entire psalm. The Lord reigneth. If the song said nothing more than this phrase, this phrase alone would be a message that would be enough for us today. To be a follower of God means to obey His commands. It does not merely mean to accept Him as your Savior in a soft, quiet prayer alone but it means to publicly, it means inwardly and outwardly to submit to Him as the Lord of your life. Every area of our lives, every thought that moves through our minds, He is Lord over all of us, heart, soul, mind, and body. Amen? That's what it means that He reigns. We know that we've passed from death unto life, it says, because we obey His commandments. It is not merely about a feeling or an emotion that comes over us, bringing a tear to our eyes, and it certainly has done that for me in my life. I realize how undone I am and that Christ has come to save me. And, and Jason, tears begin to flow. But it's not just that. When the tears stop flowing, what is it that we are doing with our hands? What are we doing with our feet? What are we doing with our mouths? Where are we going and what are we spending our lives doing? For sin is not only the, the uh, violation of what God says not to do. It is any lack of conforming ourselves to the will of of God in doing His will. His Lordship flows, follows a heart changed and conquered by His Spirit. To be conquered by God is to be ruled by a just King for the very first time. Our flesh is a tyrant. It is an enslaver. It is a despot over us, leading us to darkness and misery with only fruits of death and desperation. The Bible tells us the heart is deceitful above all else. It is desperately wicked that there is a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. And so we look to the word of God, as it says in Proverbs chapter 3, trusting not in our own understanding, right? He says, hey, lean not to thine understanding and all thy ways acknowledge him and he will direct thy paths. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil, and it shall be what? It shall be health to thy navel and marrow to thy bones. Once we are liberated by the King of glory, we for the first time understand the rule of righteousness and of peace in our lives in a life now that passes all understanding. As I said before, and I'll say it again a few more times today, the Lord reigneth. And if that's all the psalm said, it would be a beautiful message. But you know what? 
there's more. And this is what's putting a big smile on my face. The Lord reigns, that gives me peace. The Lord reigns, it, it gives me joy. But there's this word glad. Everybody say glad. I want to understand, where's glad come from? I understand joy, I understand happiness, I understand laughter. What is glad? And if you look up the, the, the root words of the Hebrew, this glad means an involuntary response to joy. Has anybody ever experienced something that it was kind of, you couldn't just, you know, you, you saw something, you know, and you just went, it like had an effect on you. You, you don't understand what I'm saying? You, you know, you, you, uh, you, you go out to the mail or you get the phone call from the, the social worker and they say, it's final. And you don't just go, huh, and you just lay the paper down. I'll just wait till Jeff comes home. But you read it and you go, Oh, <laughs> right? You like, you're like, Gah! you know, I, and, and your hand reaches for a phone and you, or you want to run to the other room, but, but there's movement that happens in your body, like, right? That's what gladness is. Gladness is that involuntary uh, response that comes when we just go, what? That's what gladness is. It's an action. It's a, it's a, and so what, what, what the psalmist is doing in this psalm is he's contrasting the involuntary reactions of the people that see that the Lord reigns and who are excited about it, Ashley, to the involuntary reactions that happen to those who aren't happy about that. Have you ever been involuntarily scared out of your mind? You know, they're, they're really good at this in movies. I remember, I remember the first time this happened to me on a big, big scale. I was watching the movie Jaws. Did you, you guys ever see that movie? I know. I know. And, bottom, bum, bum, bottom, bum, bum, bottom, bum, 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 you know. And, and it wasn't a giant shark that scared me. You guys, those of you that have seen this movie, you, you may know this part. They, they, the, the, the diver dives down and you hear, you know, people have been killed and Jaws is out there. Bottom, bum, bum, bottom, bum, bum, bum. The music is pounding. You're like, you're in the theater and you're scared. All you're seeing is a guy swimming. I mean, they, if they were playing like circus music or something, you know, it'd be funny. But, but it's bum, bum, bottom, bum, bum, bum. You know, you're like, oh, no. and, and he goes in this boat and he's swimming in this boat that's been sunk. And he's looking around. They're trying to, you know, see if there's anyone that needs rescued. And, and the boat's fine. And it's all good. And then, the, and then the music stops. And it's really quiet. And then he opens a closet door, you know. And then the person falls out. Blah, you know, you're like, ah! I, me I remember just like going, ah! You know, in sheer terror. I remember like looking around. Did anyone see that? No, no one saw it. Because they were all going, ah! You know, they, it, was, it, was, it was not like they could avoid the involuntary reaction that came, okay? And so the psalm of Psalm 97 is contrasting the involuntary actions of gladness and joy and celebratory happiness for the truth that the Lord reigns with the involuntary actions of sheer terror that terrify the enemies. That's why my message is glad islands terrified enemies. Aren't you glad that that we have this pretty picture up here instead of like, you know, Josh could have put a big shark fin in there, you know, and the terrified enemies, you know, guys like he's about to be eaten by a shark, you know. That, next, next time we'll do it. Next time we go through the Psalms, we'll do that. Okay, Josh. 
The Lord reigneth, let the earth rejoice, let the multitude of isles be glad. Be glad, be glad. He makes us glad. It is truly an involuntary response. Like when we see something overwhelmingly wonderful, we can't help be moved to action by. And it's an involuntary response to our enemies as well. Verse 2, clouds and darkness around about him right you got to see this in a scary way because it's scary now it's not scary for us when bad things are happening and the world is falling apart and the clouds and darkness of a just and wonderful god who is our father the king he rolls in with his dark powerful clouds we go (laughs) he the cavalry's here I'm not afraid of anything. The Lord is the strength of my life. Whom shall I be afraid? Can you see those dark clouds? Can you hear the rumbling? That's my dad. That's the king of glory. Who is the king of glory? He is the Lord of hosts. He is mighty in battle. And you can quake. And as you're quaking, you're like, oh, no. Holy mackerel. What in the world's going on? We're going Oh, yeah, this is a part of the movie that I like to see, right? Do you know that's what's going on? God, when he shows up to do what he does in the world, to trample down our enemies, we will be rejoicing and they will be trembling in sheer terror. Clouds and darkness are round about him. Righteousness and judgment are the habitation of his throne. I can picture his throne on top of a giant cumulus cloud with lightning thundering it and black clouds underneath them. And they're going, what is this? Kind of like we heard in 1 Samuel chapter 5. They didn't even see it. All they did is hear about what happened. They put the ark of God there in the temple of uh, of Dagon and Ashdod and they came the next morning and their stone thing that they worship and they bow down to and that they offer their gifts to foolishly laying on the ground on its face and they know they didn't do it and they set it back up could you imagine this Michael worshiping a God who needed help being set up and so they set him back up there and and I think I've seen pictures of Dagon his hands are outstretched they're kind of like this or this in different in different of the archaeological Things they found. But when he fell, his head breaks off and his hands break off. They're like, oh no. And these fools, they're so foolish that because his head and hands broke off and they touched the threshold, they don't want to touch it either. As though, as though they should offer reverence to a stone God who can't set himself up and who breaks when he falls down like Humpty Dumpty. Dagon falls flat. Clouds and darkness are round about him. Righteousness and judgment are the habitation of his throne. A fire goes before him, verse 3, and he burns up his enemies round about. Could you imagine this? The children of Israel oftentimes would take the Ark of the Covenant out before them. They would have the priests and they would put it on their shoulders and they would walk in the front of the army and the Bible says that lightning would strike forth. I I mean, you can hold a shield up, right, and a block a spear and a block like an arrow, okay, but imagine trying to block a lightning bolt with a little handheld shield. I, I, don't, I wouldn't try that, would you? I wouldn't think. Now, it may work on superhero movies, okay? But let me tell you what, in real life, that doesn't work. There is no vibranium or there's no, there isn't anything 
that's going to be, you know, blocking God's thunderbolts. Fire goes before him, burns up his enemies round about. And there's this imagery here I was telling Brother Tim about on the pulpit up here, and, and I've already alluded to, but I'm going to make it a little bit more clear. His lightnings enlightened the world, and the earth saw, everybody say, the earth saw and trembled. So when we saw it, what do we do, Tim? We were involuntarily glad. We were like, "Woo! here he comes. But when they saw it, they're like, oh, no, ah, here he comes. And that's what this psalm is about. It is about the dual response. And so what we have here, Jason, is we have the darkness in the power of God. And there is an imagery here, of course, they who don't know God walk in what? They walk in darkness, right? But we who do not walk in darkness, what are we? We are the children of the light. In fact, we're the children of the God of light and of lightning. So we're not afraid, right? And so picture this darkness and the world walks in darkness and, and the world doesn't understand things. And so the imagery that's happening here is that, Jonathan, when the lightning comes down, have you ever been out at night and it's totally dark and, it lighten, and lightning goes off? What do you do? You can see everything for just like, just a little bit, right? Also, it's pitch black and all of a sudden you can see everything and then it's gone, right? That's what is happening here. So you think the darkness scared them. You think the lightning scared them. What they saw in their brief little flash of light, that scared them even more. Imagine if there was this, you know, this gigantic, you know, colossal, you know, scary, giant monster, you know, but you don't know it. He's coming, you know, he's 80 foot tall. It's like Godzilla, right? You know, and he's coming, you know, and you can't see him. It's total darkness. And then lightning strikes. And all of a sudden you're like, oh, what was that I just saw in a flash of lightning? I just saw the most terrifying, horrible, scary thing ever in the world. That is what it's like when God, what God is doing in the world. He flashes the light of his lightning and it enlightens the world. And then the earth see it. And what do they do? They tremble because we are the glad islands and they are the terrified and trembling enemies. His lightning has enlightened the world and the earth saw it and they trembled. And you know what the hills did? The hills melted like wax at the presence of the Lord. And it says, after it says the presence of the Lord, it says, at the presence of the Lord of the whole earth. This is this picture again. He isn't just Lord of Israel. He's not just Lord of a family, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, of, of a chosen people, this small group. He is Lord of every kindred, every tribe, every people, every nation. He's the Lord of Philistia. He is the Lord of the Assyrians and the Babylonians and the Persians and the Greeks and the Romans and every one of them. Verse 6 says, The heavens declare His righteousness. And all the people see his glory. Can you, can, you, can you see the words that are being used? See, this is not, if this were in Hebrew, I'm sure this would be much more, uh, it would be much more evident. But we see his glory in verse 6. You back up. Verse 4, his lightnings enlightened the world and the earth saw and they trembled. 
Verse 7, confounded be they that serve graven images, that boast themselves of idols. Worship him, all ye gods. I think, what a line. He's calling out for what? For Ashdod to fall on his face. And guess what? When the Lord of glory says, worship him, all ye gods. Do you know, even those fake gods who worshiping them is a waste of time, even Dagon, who cannot answer a prayer, who cannot come when you need him, who cannot heal you. This rock, you know, we know, we, we know in, as Jesus came into Jerusalem and people began to worship him and say, Hosanna, Hosanna. He say, and they said, tell him to be quiet. He says, no, 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 no. You can't tell them to be quiet. If they don't cry out, what will happen? The very rocks will cry out. Well, Dagon was made of stone and the rocks had already cried out to God. They had already fallen prostrate before the Lord. Confounded be all they that serve graven images, that boast themselves of idols. Worship him, all ye gods. Verse 8 reminds us of how God began with the children of Israel and Jerusalem when he invokes the Mount Zion here in verse 8. Zion heard. You see, we have ears to hear. Amen? And when Zion heard, what happened? They were glad. They were involuntarily moved to tumultuous rejoicing when Zion, Zion heard and was glad and the daughters of Judah rejoiced because of thy judgments, O Lord. For thou, Lord, verse 9, art high above the earth, and thou art exalted far above all gods. This is calling back to the psalm before, right? All those, he is, he is greater than all the gods, small g. And then it says in verse, it says back in uh, Psalm 96, but those gods, they're not gods at all. They're those that people worship as gods. There are things today that people believe are very important, that are very, that are very powerful, that people come to not be able to live without, that people see, you know, an election is coming and they go, oh, Google is so powerful and Facebook is so powerful and they can do anything and they can, they can elect anyone they want. And, 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 we fret. and, you know, I'm not happy about what they're doing, but you know what I know that people don't know? God is greater than Google. <laughs> God has, he, God has uh, more influence and power than the Internet. It, 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 I, I hate to even say it's, you know, might even be sacrilegious that, you know, at one time the, the Beatles who were, you know, very, very famous, they said, we're more famous than Jesus. Google might think it's more famous than Jesus. It might think it's more powerful. It may decide to, to promote its will. It may, it may sit in its, and go, do you know what? We have the power to pick presidents. They'll sit in their boardrooms. They'll talk about it. And if I was in their boardroom, I'd go, oh, you think you do? <laughs> you think you do like every king that had the power of life and death in his hand? That every king that was able to just snap their fingers and, and people would be put to death? They thought they had the power to. But right now they are reckoning with the power for there is no power except that power which is given by God. Amen? Men with their little kingdoms, 
men with their little, you know, they, you know, they run this town, they're the mayor, they're the governor, they're the whatever they are, they're the head of this thing or that thing. They sit in their seats and they think, you know what, look at what I can do. But I can tell you right now, God has the last laugh. Amen? You see, they gather together and they say, you know, we're powerful. And the Bible says in Psalm 2, he that sits in the heaven, he will laugh. He will have them in derision. And in the end, they'll be scurrying around, you know, like a bunch of cockroaches on some wall somewhere, wondering if they can get out of the light. For thou, O Lord, art high above all the earth. Thou art exalted far above all gods. The psalmist calls us to action. You know, this involuntary response that we have in gladness needs to move to the voluntary acts of obedience to God's word. Verse 10, ye that love the Lord, it says, hate evil. And people act like hate is a bad thing. Hate is a bad thing if you hate the wrong thing. But we should hate evil. We should despise it. We should not laugh at it. We should not allow evil to entertain us. I think that may be one of, uh, uh, one of our biggest sins that maybe we don't even realize. We watch people in living in sin and because they're doing it, on a big screen and we go, oh, well, it's, you know, it's make believe. And, but yet we, we don't hate it. We don't look at it and just go, you know what? I don't want any part of that. That's, that's sin. You that love the Lord hate evil, it says. He preserves the souls of his saints and he delivers them out of the hands of the wicked. And this is what we know that God has done for us. But what we get in verse 11 is what God does through us. And this has been a constant theme. God doesn't just save us from something. He saves us for something and to something. Amen? Joy and Chris, God called you out of a life of sin, did he not? But not just so you can be happy, so you can have peace, so you can have nice kids, so you can have nice grandkids. That's not what God saved you for. He called you so that you can help save the whole world. And the little acts of a coming to church and lifting up the Lord and, and volunteering to put your hand to the plow of the kingdom. God's kingdom is coming. God's will is being done on earth as it is in heaven. Sister Kim, your desire to want to be a support to families who suffer through the ravages of uh, a relative that is, has alcoholism or drug addiction, that desire to lighten their load, to bear their burden, that is how God is changing the world and is uh, sending flashes of light in the darkness. It is in all of these things that God does that seem so simple as we, uh, you know, Caitlin, I see the little pictures of you playing with your kids and enjoying them. And Ashley, you're, you're, you're doing videos about the, your little kids and things that they're doing. And, and these little things, not, not the videos necessarily, but the doing them the enjoying them, the, the realizing, you know, I was talking to Jonathan about his kids and Jonathan, thank you for sending me these fun little videos of them quoting the scriptures. I love it. I love it. You talk about dispelling dark. Sometimes I get covered in darkness and, and, you know, carrying heavy burdens and little William, you know, going, and he's really cute. I may, you know, I don't, maybe, you should maybe share some of that, you know, not that Nora and Melody aren't cute. Okay. 
they are. But when little William breaks out, you know, being confident of your feeling, you know, people begin to go to work, you, they were complete, you know, like, I'm like, that's fun. What's that word he says, you know? Excapation, I don't even know. It is my earth excapation, you know. And we see these things and the Bible says, God uses the weak things of the world to confound the wisdom of the wise that no flesh can glory in his presence. God doesn't need great people, powerful people, important people to do his will. He takes us, he's the mighty king. He's the one who rides on a dark cloud. He's the one who sends forth flash of lightning and we, we can see, it's like daylight for us, but it's like dark for them. And when his lightning flashes and they see him, ah, they scream. And when we see him, we go, yeah, he's here. And here's what it says in verse 11 is our role. Light is sown for the righteous. Now picture that. I mean, you're talking about sowing seeds, right? You know, you plant them in the ground and, and you're sowing and, you know, one day you're going to reap, but somehow light, you know, we know how to plant a seed. Imagine planting light. It is sown for the righteousness, for the righteous. Gladness is sown for the upright in heart. You know, I don't know who painted the picture, but it captivated my mind as a kid of Johnny Appleseed. You guys ever, you guys ever see it? And his story to me is amazing. And I have been through uh, places in Appalachia and they're like, yeah. What are these? We're out in the, in the woods and there's just apple trees everywhere. He said, yeah, those are Johnny's. Johnny Appleseed came through here, planted these, and they've been in these hills ever since. And this picture of this joyful man, I don't know if you know the story of his life. I'm not trying to, but he, he was a Christian man. And he, he, he's like, I want to fill the earth with beautiful, wonderful things. And I want to just bring these trees. But it says that we sow light for the righteousness and gladness. For Somehow we're not planting apple trees. We're sowing joy and we're sowing gladness and we're sowing light. And the whole earth, the Bible says, will be filled with the glory of God. You see, the psalm says they will see it. See, we see it. We were, I was reading to you here out of, or I, did, I had it read for you out of Ephesians chapter 4. This is the picture Paul said. He said, this I say therefore and testify in the Lord that you henceforth walk not as the Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind. Now listen how Paul describes them. Having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. Why should we live like them? They can't even see. They're groping around in the darkness, only every now and then seeing a flash of light. But we have the lights on all the time. We have the light of God's word, which is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And so why do we want to live like them? Why do we want what they want? Why do we want to go where they go and do what they do? when well, we could be sowing light for righteous, for the righteous and gladness for the upright of heart. That's what I want to be. I want to be a sower of light. I don't know that I've really ever even seen that imagery before in the word of God, but I want to be uh, 
a Johnny Appleseed for light and joy and gladness. I want to plant that and change the world. The last verse of the psalm says, Rejoice in the Lord, you righteous, and give thanks at the remembrance of his holiness. When Paul told the Ephesians here in Ephesians chapter 4 that they have their understanding darkened, they're alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. You know what he says about you and me? He says, he says they are past feeling. They've given themselves over to lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with, greedy, with greediness. Verse 20, but you have not so learned Christ. And you, if you read from the midway here in chapter 4 through chapter 5 and chapter 6, you know what he does? He tells you how to sow light for, right, for the righteous. And it's very practical. He says, if so be that you have heard him and have been taught by him that the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning the former conversation, your former lifestyle, that old man which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. He goes on, and I don't have time to go through it, but he goes on, he says, listen, don't, don't go around being mad, don't go around being angry, because the, the wrath isn't going to do you any good. Be a forgiver. God forgave you. He says, don't, don't, don't lie and don't deceive, tell the truth. And he gets into these practical things that we think are so powerless, so weak. Just tell the truth. Love your neighbor. Be kind. Submit yourselves one to another. Wives, obey your husbands. Uh, women, reverence, your, reverence your, your, your husbands. Men, love your wives. Lay down your life for them. He goes, that's what all this... All of this follows. There's a life that they don't understand, but there's a life we do. And this is how you sow light and how you sow gladness and joy in the earth. Because I'll tell you what, people don't understand the joy of a loving home, of an ordered home, of, of a place where people understand their role and what to do and how to live. He goes on, he talks about children. Children, obey your parents, for this is right. Honor your father and your mother. Why? Because God established it that way. This is for you. And as he gets to the end of that chapter, he tells us that we are waging war, just like this psalm. But God is not left us to ourselves. Amen? We can sow light for righteousness, and we can... So gladness for the upright of heart. And when we do, as it says in verse 12, we can rejoice in the Lord and give thanks at the remembrance of his holiness. Amen. It is the holiness of God that we seek after, Peter tells us, for he is, he's holy. And because he's holy, we should want to be holy in every manner of our conversation, every manner of our lifestyle. Amen. That's what we should want. How many of you want that? I want that. Let us be sowers of light. Amen? Let us be sowers of gladness. And let our God be the powerful, thundering, dark cloud, lightning smashing, fire burning God. And let us be 
his dutiful children filled with joy and dancing through the fields of flowers in the spring that God will bring over the world like Narnia. I love that. I love that imagery. I love the imagery that Lewis gave us. The world was frozen, but underneath all that, as the snow began to melt, I loved as they show Aslan dancing across the hills and everywhere he lands, flowers break out. I can't wait for spring to come, not just here in Ohio, but in the whole world. In the whole world. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we love you, Lord. And we rejoice today. The Lord reigneth. Let all the earth be glad. Let all the isles of the earth rejoice before him. For he reigns. Oh Lord, let that be the cry of our hearts. Let, it, let that be the stirring emotion that propels us to action and to obedience to your commands. Help us, oh Lord God, to have confidence not in ourselves, but in you. Be our champion, O oh Lord. Be our defense. Be our shield. And hand to us light that we can sow. Hand to us gladness that we can plant. And may we enjoy the fruits and the flowers and the trees and the blessings and the work of healing the nations that you have given us. May we revel in it, O oh God. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Hello, this is Pastor Mark Robinette of Foundation Church. Thank you for taking the opportunity to listen to our audio sermons. We would love to hear from you if you have any comments, questions, or just to let us know how they served you. Go to our website, www.foundationfellowshipchurch.org, and send us a note. Thank you, and it's a pleasure to serve you.